Blog Talk Radio. Happy holidays, happy holidays. When when we come on again, the holidays will be over because I'm taking a little hiatus during the holidays to our off-the-shelf listeners. So I want to say happy holidays and thank you to everybody who tuned in to last week's show and the week before where we really had a very nice turnout with the three uh, psychotherapists who were on there discussing their book about how we use dysfunctional relationships to hide from love. And then last week's show, we had a guest on who talked about surviving anorexia. And then today, we we come back with the normally we come with novels, but we've had we've been so blessed over the years with New York Times best-selling authors and editors and film producers, and we have another film producer today. But we have really, really been blessed here on Off the Shelf for, for 11 years. I, I can hardly believe it's been that long. And I, and I have to thank our loyal listeners who come in every week and catch the show, whether you catch it live or in the archives. There's so many of our listeners tune in via the archives. But we we thank all of you for, for tuning in and, and welcome you to today's show on this Saturday, December the 19th. Well, we are, I'm just excited about the author and the film producer that we have in store for you today. And I started a couple of weeks ago at the beginning of the show giving people a thought just to plant it in your mind. And today's thought is do it now, sometimes later becomes never. So do it now. Don't put it off. Sometimes later becomes never. And as a reminder, I'm reminding you on this this holiday season, and even after the holidays pass, if you like mysteries and you value relationships, particularly a relationship, to see how the relationship between a parent and a child actually impacts. And it's odd that we had those psychotherapists on here and they had such a hit show on Off the Shelf. But how a relationship in our childhood with our parents impacts the intimate relationships we have as adults, even when we're in a relationship with somebody that we're meant to be with. And those are the things that take place in Love Pour Over Me. But there's also a murder mystery. So if you like mystery and you value relationships, I really encourage you to pick up a copy of Love Pour Over Me, and you can get it in print or digital form. Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, eBook it. It sells at any bookstore. If you don't see it on the shelves, just tell them you want to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney, and the clerk can order a copy for you because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. So please go out and get a copy and let me know how you enjoy it. Please go get a copy of Love Pour Over Me. And now we're going to introduce you to our special guest, our very special off-the-shelf guest today, and our guest is Reverend Allison Mills Newman. She has such a lengthy bio. She is a minister, a writer, a film producer, and an actress. As a child, Allison acted on a major television. She acted on actually more than one major television show, and the shows she were on were like Julia, which was an historic show. That was where the first African-American woman was a lead on a TV series who was Diane Curl. So Julia and the Leslie Uggam show, and I know both of those shows, made history. Uh, Allison Mills Newman is also the author of the book Magi 3 and The Tree Widow Study Guide. Both are available at Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. And The Tree Widow uh, Study Guide is it goes along with the, the recently released movie that Allison Mills Newman just developed, The Tree Widow. And you can learn more about The Tree Widow and Allison by clicking over to keepthefaithinc.com. And that's spelled exactly how it sounds to our listeners, K-E-E-P-T-H-E-F-A-I-T-H-I-N-C.com. And again, that's K. E E P T H E F A I T H I N C dot com. Keep the faith inc dot com. Keep the faith inc dot com. And some of what Allison shares, it will take you back to some happy times as you go to keep the faith inc dot com. And other things she shares at keep keep the faith inc dot com that might inspire and encourage you. And you'll also get a closer view of the tree widow 
a movie that we're going to go and discuss in more depth during today's show. So welcome to Off the Shelf, Allison. Well, thank you, Denise. I'm so happy. To, I'm just so happy to be a part. Thanks for having me, and Merry Christmas, and Happy Holidays, and Hanukkah to everybody out there. Well, we're, we are we are joyous and blessed to have you here with us. Now, I love to give off-the-shelf listeners a bit of backstory on our guests. As I said, we have had so many different guests over the years. And it's interesting to hear their backstory, and you can hear how their backstory kind of links to what they're doing now. So before we mm-hmm. jump right into the questions, can you tell off-the-shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you as a child? Awesome. I grew up in Los Angeles, California. Um, When I was about 12 years old, um, I saw a TV show called Peyton Place, and I identified as a young girl with with one of the main characters, which was played by Mia Farrow. And um, I sort of understood that that what they were doing on TV is what I sort of did in the bathroom or in my bedroom at night, kind of pretending I was different characters. And I told my parents I wanted to be an actor, but my father didn't want me to be an actress or an actor because his point of view was that actresses were prostitutes or whores. He didn't have respect for the for that form of income or employment. And my, my dad was a scientist. My mom was an educator and a very nice um, African-American family. I had a sister and brother. So I was kind of discouraged by my parents, but my mother sort of put up my cause and I stopped eating. I don't know how I realized I could stop eating this show of protest at 12. Honestly, Denise, I don't know where that came from. But I would go to, you know, they'd call me for dinner. I just wouldn't eat, and they would say, you know, Allison, eat. And I said, no, I want to be that fast. I won't won't eat until. So my mom kind of encouraged my dad. She said, look, you know, I will be with her. I'll protect her. You know, I'll make sure that she's safe and all is well. And so she, so my agreed and, and, um, I joined this, this acting workshop study place called, um, Frank's, um, the American theater of being. And it was a group of women and men that were like in their twenties and thirties, all beautiful, great, brilliant, actors unknown but dreaming about being an actor on television and movies and it was headed by Frank Severa who was a black man but he had the physical appearance of he could be an Arab or an Italian or a Mexican as well as black he just so he 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 got a lot of parts at in the 60s and 70s playing Mexicans and playing different characters but he was devoted to his people and so I was a part of this group, and there were all these unknown people there that later became famous to me, like Maya Angelou and Bea Richards and Sidney Poitier. He was sort of coming along, but he would pass through. And I grew up in this environment with all these wonderful, amazing, just brilliant people who happened to be African-American who who just were just so inspiring. And can you imagine, like, growing up like that, 12, 13, 14, 15, hearing these great political discussions about Martin Luther King or the different events of the time, you know, mm-hmm. the Watts riot, like the Watts riot happened right down the street from where I lived. They they had, a, well, I didn't live in Watts, but the, but I, but the government, they had their, their trucks, I don't know what you call them, their army trucks, and they were parked down, they were parked on our street and you'd see, you know, guys, uh, policemen and, and, and soldiers looking like, you know, in this warfare, like walking through the neighborhood and just all of this amazing explosive in time that I grew up in as a kid. So it was pretty intellectual, pretty inspiring, pretty spiritual. I remember my mom and dad, um, they used to have, like, lots of dinner parties and they would invite their friends over and colleagues and I remember them sitting around talking about all the events at the time and they would include us as children and they would acknowledge our you know our points of view and they encouraged us to be a part of the debate or a part of the discussion so I grew up in an environment that was very intellectual that respected our point of view as children encouraged us to talk 
encouraged us to be a part of uh, current affairs. And eventually, um, my um, my father became my biggest fan, and he was very supportive and drove me when I started getting the roles on TV. Um, and he started inviting me to you know all of the interviews and so forth and so on. So he was very supportive, and and um, so I had a really interesting. Brilliant, you know. It's, it sounds I, like it. It sounds first. Your parents really didn't want to get involved in the profession, and then became very supportive. How old were you, Allison, when you started acting? When you actually got into it? My first professional job was at thirteen. I guess starred um, on a TV series called Mr. Novak, which starred James Franciscus. And one and and Lois Nelson, they were very big stars at the time, and I remember being in cheering TV Guide and so forth and so on. Now, mind you, black people were not on television. You know, every yes. now and then, when we were on yes. TV, it was like it was like a big, major, over the moon deal. I mean, it was just so imagine, you know, that was like just so huge to start out even as a guest star. But that was re- the, the parts and the jobs that began to open to all of us as actors at the time were a result of um, the demand of the time that African Americans started to put on society, wanting to be a part, wanting to be included, wanting to contribute to society, you know, wanting those that are qualified to be considered for jobs, you know, so forth and so on. So Hollywood um, heard the cries of African Americans and started to. Um, hold themselves accountable and started to include um, black people into their their scripts and their storylines. You know, we went on. It was Julia. There was I Spy. You know, Mod Squad. A lot of these TV series they 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 started right then in the sixties and seventies. And I would walk on the TV lot, and I would I would be a part of the TV elite. Um, like all the other black people that were doing their TV series. And that was pretty interesting and amazing as a teenager to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, After I became a teenager, though, I was, I mean, after my teenage years passed and I became a young woman and adult, and I was introduced into the other side of Hollywood, the casting couch and so, you know, these things that my father Mm -hmm. somehow recognized to be a part of that profession, um, I came face to face with. And um, so I wasn't a Christian at the time. Um, I, actually, I was an atheist. But I guess my childhood, the presence of my mom and dad and how my father showed my mother um, a high regard and showed me a high regard as his daughter and my sister's my grandfather and everybody. I wasn't exposed to sex being something that was recreational. You know, I was exposed to it. I wasn't really even exposed to it, but what I was able to just filter about it was that it was the marriage or it was for, you know, at least love. And mm-hmm. when I would go on these interviews when I was 19. Well, they weren't interviews. They were meetings because I was already a starlet and Hollywood would write movies for me to star, and they were preparing to make me into a movie star. Which Denise I had always wanted to be. I always wanted to be in movies. So it was like my dream was beginning to come true. But um, I would go to these meetings, and the executive would like, go in a bathroom and come out and be completely naked and lay down on the floor. And you know, tell me to do certain things to them, and I was like, "Oh, wow, Hollywood, <laughs> Hollywood!" Now, yes, by this time, by yes. nineteen, I was not. I want to make the audience, you know, I want to fully even down here. I was not a Christian. I mean, I was not a Christian, and I was not a virgin by this time. You know, I had fallen in love, and I had gone the way of the world in terms of involving myself in relationships on all levels, but. You know, I felt like I was in love with the person and they would eventually marry me. I just, this, but I was being presented with Hollywood meetings was so degrading to me as a human being. And this is a human being, you know, I just, 
then come to find out a lot of my friends and mentors, the older women that I grew up in in the workshops had given themselves over to this type of, um, I don't know, sacrifice, I guess, to to, to, to try to make it in the industry. Yeah, and they did become famous, and if I mentioned them, um, right? No, yeah, I, everybody I, I, would know. Everybody, I know, and I've, I've heard, I've history. heard this. Yeah, and you know they're what you hear, too, even that, you know, yeah, that that still goes on, and somehow they they manage in Hollywood, just like in corporate America and in politics, to keep this stellar, crispy, clean image, even though that's really not what's going on. But they manage well, to keep this. Not. They manage yeah. to keep this image of this wholesomeness, and everybody buys into it. It, it is, uh, you know, but a lot of people, I've heard, I've heard that the, you say the casting couch is not as, it, it, it's not as influential or as necessary today, especially to a, a female actress, as it used to be. I think more women have stood up and said, no, I'm not going that route. So, you know, you're going you're gonna to recognize my talent, um, which is a good thing. But I've heard stories about, oh, I've heard stories. I have heard stories about Hollywood. I want to ask you next, what was it like working with Diane Curl and Leslie Uggams? They they both are groundbreakers. And I remember Julia from when I was a kid. I think it was mm-hmm. the first American TV show that starred an African-American. You know, you think Flip mm-hmm. Wilson, Diane Curl, Leslie Uggams, like you said earlier, there weren't a lot of African-Americans not only on television, not in the, a lot in the movies, and not a lot of books that had African-Americans in them back back then. So it must it must be exciting. I'm sure you didn't know it at the time you were a child, but to be a part of that rich history, that must be exciting. What was it like to work with? Just those two groundbreakers, Diane Curl and Leslie Uggams. Well, first let me say that I worked with every single one of them. Philip Wilson, it's interesting to mention Philip Wilson, Sammy Davis, Junior City Play, like, you know, every single solitary one in that day and time. I worked with them or did a did an uh, event with them or rode in a parade with them. So it was, it was, you know, it was all I knew, Denise. It was because I started when I was 12. It it was all I knew. It's just like if I had grown up playing with dolls or, um, you know, riding bikes. Because when I look back to that on that time, as amazing as it was, I don't want to say that it became normal, but I do want to say that it was just, it was a part of my everyday Having mm-hmm. said that, um, having said that, um, working and meeting Diane Carroll was to me a look into my future. When I ah. saw her, when I looked at her, it was like, ooh, you know, that's what I want to be when I grow up. You know, I was in awe of her, but it became an an in awe of you know everyone. But the more I was in that environment, the awe. Um, I don't want to say it wore off, but it transformed into just a great love. You know, we just loved each other. We became, you know, family. You work with people every day, and and you and you do different events with people, and and so the awe transforms into a, you know a love and a respect and a and a I don't I guess a comfort. They kind of become your mentors, and which which they all were. So. Diane Carroll was, as everyone knows, um, uh, quite a tall, gorgeous, lovely, very elegant, very refined, mm-hmm. very disciplined, very disciplined, beautiful person inside and, and out. And I had the, the you know, privilege of, I don't want to say it became like another daughter, but I hung out at her home and with her daughter, and and um, she was a part of my life. There was not to not to downplay it, but it was becomes normal. I don't know how to explain it, but it becomes normal. Um mm-hmm. Les was um very, very down to earth. She um she's very elegant too, but she has more of a down to earth kind of side to her. I remember 
going to your house, Denise, and they had pig's feet and, you know, like, <laughs> it's all the, the, the traditional black food that I guess you grew up on. It was just so, I had never eaten pig's feet in my life, you know, and mm-hmm. what is it, chitlins? And all that stuff. And I was looking at this chitlins, and I'm looking at this movie star, right? This famous, right? And she's eating chitlins and pig's feet, and they're laughing and playing cards, you know. And, uh, you know, it's just like, <laughs> just like in the inner city, you know. It was like, right. and everybody's, you know, her house is filled with, you know, black people, and she was she was married to an Australian, and I think she still is. And uh, he was just like a part of the family, and they're just all talking like people from the inner city or somewhere, you know, playing cards mm-hmm. and six feet and laughing and joking. <laughs> I mean, it was it was amazing because that was even different from my own home life because, you know, my parents, I never ate pig's feet and whatever, chitlins. You know, I didn't grow up on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, my parents mm-hmm. were very intellectual and very, I can't even remember my parents ever playing cards. So when wow. I went to Leslie's house, you know, like she uh-huh. was like was down to earth, like, I think, if I remember correctly, she was raised in Harlem, so it kind of went with her. You know, she she was just she was just a lot of fun, just a lot of great. You know, just great. But they were both very elegant, but they were both different. Yeah, they were, they were both very loving. They were both very loving, but they had different personalities, and uh-huh. and they you know they they were different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what a rich experience, and you see Diane, and you think that's who I want to be like. She she is just that is uh, she's known for that, like an imprint on the public's mind of being elegant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When when did definitely you found you know she definitely, was? I just want to say definitely Diane and Wesley and all of them that I can't mention, but every all of those women and all of those men of that time and that period. It was, you know, being an honorable representative of the African-American race and the human race was just so instilled in them. They were just so elegant and beautiful, queen and kings. They really were. And it was a humbling honor to be in their presence. It really was. Oh, you're gracious. When did you found or start Keep the Faith Films and Ministries? Because we definitely want to talk about the tree widow. Um, when did, when did you... I think about six years ago, six about six years ago, mm-hmm. about six years ago. I um, it was a call of the Lord. Um, I, as you know, as we mentioned, I grew up in Hollywood. I grew up famous on television, and then um, I had these experiences, and I had an epiphany. I had an encounter of of a being that I didn't believe in, who turned out to be God, and He kind of guided me out of that and guided me into eventually meeting Jesus and giving my life to him and surrendering my life and doing his will. And in the process of learning and trying to grasp what his will was, I um, married a man who had done um, documentaries for public television who also became called to the ministry. And we ended up having a church in the inner city um, of Los Angeles where we ministered. God used us to save um, gangbangers and young people, um, prostitution, prostitutes, so forth and so on. But um, we, we, we were, you know, street preachers and had our church. And then God began to minister to me about doing plays and using the gifts and talent, the experience that I had in Hollywood to do plays with the young people in the neighborhood, which I did. And um, then God began to tell my husband to make movies. So um, we began to um, embark on that, and our first film was Virgin Again, which is also available at Barnes & Noble online at Amazon.com. It's called Virgin Again. It's an award-winning independent film. It was, it, it, we, we got a distribution deal on the cable network, and it was also in um, some theaters, and um, it's a really awesome film. Your audience can get a copy of it online today, and then... Um, my husband passed away, and the Lord moved on me to move to Atlanta. And in Atlanta, he so you came from you went from California to Atlanta. Yeah, I moved from California after my husband passed away. I moved to Atlanta about seven years ago, and uh, the Lord called me to continue to do movies, continue to make movies, and um, 
so uh, he gave me a story um, called The Tree Widow, and it's about a widow who is left with a beautiful home, and an angel guides her to take women in need into her home. And these women that she takes into her into her home introduce her to the brokenness and the emptiness and the pain of women that are going through their lives without the connection and the knowledge of God and how to engineer, how to negotiate a relationship with God as well as a relationship with human beings and in specifics the opposite sex. So in other words, their lives the wrong way, looking for love in all the wrong places and all the wrong ways with all the wrong attitudes, with all the wrong goals, with all the wrong everything, <laughs> thinking mm-hmm. that it was right. And the story in, revolves around this older woman that, who I play that part, um, trying to share her experience, her mistakes, her, all of the things that she's learned to these younger women in the hopes that they can embrace the idea that maybe, just maybe, there's a better way. Just maybe, you know, they look to God, who is mm-hmm. love, and look to God in his, in his instructions as to how to do life, that mm-hmm. they can embrace the idea that they can have a better life. They go about it God's way, specifically Jesus' way and not their own way. So... It's um we we I had the opportunity to show it at the Mount Vernon Baptist Church mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, and Denise, my Lord, God just moved and oh okay, He just touched people's heart. People were just crying. Oh. Even, and uh-huh. I say this not because I did it. I feel like I was used of God, but it's a really, really, really beautiful film, and mm-hmm. um, I'm really in need of part of a partner that a financial partner that would believe in what I'm doing and, you know, reach out to me and consider partnering with me in terms of helping me build the ministry and the film company and spreading the film and getting it into movie theaters and to all the different places wherever God would have it to be. But um, that's called The Tree Whittle. As you mentioned, The Tree Whittle Study Guide is available um, online, Amazon.com, and also the book Maggie. It's really not Magi, but it's Maggie M A G G I E three. Okay. Um, is available at Barnes and Noble, Amazon.com, and um, um, the Nobel Peace Prize winner. Um, well, not Peace, the, the, the for her novel. The Pulitzer um, Prize. The Pulitzer. Yeah. Yes. Um, her name escapes me right now. She Tony Morrison. Books. Yes, Tony thank Morrison. you so much. <laughs> Tony Morrison wrote me a blurb about how um, she said, Allison Mills has done a rare thing written with beauty, power, and purity about a woman. So I'm really humbled and honored by her um, mentioning me, even mentioning me, <laughs> including me in your conversation. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, all that, all, all that I write is, designed from my heart to just place and help people come to Jesus because I do mm-hmm. believe in, with all my heart that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And mm-hmm. I know how he helped my life, made my life better, brought my life out of, you know, self-destruction in Hollywood and all the different things I experienced in my youth to being able to, you know, make a better emotional and spiritual life for myself and better choices. And because of him, I think I was blessed to meet such a wonderful husband who loved God. And because he loved God truly, he was able to learn how to love his wife and his children. And I just, I know for a fact that if we will humble ourselves and surrender to God, that he will make this life truly meaningful and really empower us to overcome a lot of the the pain and the brokenness and that sometimes we can bring on ourselves or, um, society can bring on us, on us, or uh, a lot of times it can be, you know, abuse, and mm-hmm. a lot of children are raised in abuse, abusive environments, or there's so much. God is a healer. Jesus mm-hmm. is a healer. He right. is a healer, yes. and 
He is a bomb in Gilead, and I just want to offer that to whoever is listening, whatever you may be going through, whatever pain you may be suffering, whatever despair, discouragement, I want you to know to look to Jesus today. Call on Jesus. He is a very present help in the midst of trouble, in the midst of pain, in the midst of heartbreak. He specializes in healing mm-hmm. the broken heart. I know he's done mm-hmm. it for me over and over and over and over again. Because, you know, even after you come to the Lord, you can have experiences where people can still be mean or jealous or break your heart or whatever. But God, I can tell you, he's just continually, as I keep my hand in him, strengthens him. Yes, yes. And, and blesses me as a human being. And so, you know, all the works that I do, the Tree Little Study Guide, Maggie Cree, people to the movie, um, you know, all that I'm devoted to is to help make life a better for everyone. Like, I just came from early this morning. I was out at this apartment complex with another church, and we were praying and witnessing to other people. And, you know, just so I, I, I keep my hands in every part of ministry that the Lord would have me to do. So I'm still out on the street witnessing. I'm still mm-hmm. writing books, still making movies. In fact, we're going to make a movie out of Maggie 3. And um, so I'm gearing up and for that. And there's any, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that, but this, but, you know, you can find me, your audience can find me at Tree Widow Facebook, Tree Widow, T-R-E-E-W-I-D-O-W Facebook, um, Tree Widow Facebook. Please like and friend me. I'll friend you back. Um, you know, I'm here to pray with you and here to be, you know, your friend and here to encourage you and purchase um, Maggie 3 at Barnes & Noble. I don't know that it's in stock anymore, but you can go in like you can do for Denise's book. Um, what was the name of your book again? Love Pour Over Me. Love Pour Over Me? Yes. That's an awesome title. But just oh, like Denise's book, Love Pour over me. You can also get Maggie three in Barnes and Noble if you go in and you can go in and order it. So I'm just humbly just trying to be about my father's business, Denise. Just trying to show love. Okay. God's love everywhere yes. I go yes. in the name of Jesus. And so, we thank you, know. you for that. Is is Allison? Is the tree widow? Is it based on your personal experiences or someone else's real life experiences? If not, where did where did I know you said it was it just came to you, but was it inspired by an actual or a series of real life events or things you witnessed? Some some people get stories out of a newspaper. I know I heard Stephen King speaking once. He got a story out of something he saw in a newspaper. Stories come. Some people say it just came to him, and uh, some people they it's based on their real life experiences where a story comes from. So where did the tree widow, is it based on something you went through personally or something you read or something that someone you knew went through? Well, I think it's a mixture of all of those. Um, I think all of my, everything so far that God has directed me to do, it has that mixture. For instance, with the tree widow, Obviously, my husband passed away, so um, that was, I can say that that part is true. Um, In ministry in Los Angeles, my husband and I had a big, beautiful home, and we opened our home up to men and women and families when he was alive. So I had that Mm -hmm. experience of taking people into your home. when he passed away, the Lord no longer allowed me to do that. So um, it's a mixture. Um, the different stories of the different women, some of them um, were a lot of lives of other women that either someone told me about, I heard about in Grapevine, or, you know, I imagined, or I think the stories of the lives of women, it's a, it's a um, mixture of other people that I've met or other stories that I heard about or also imagination. The twist and plot tree widow are, is the imagination that God has given me in terms of how to, I would say, organize 
a story so that it is captivating, and I give him the glory for that. So the twisting of it, the the the, the storytelling itself is is God's gift. But I, I, so I would have to say, you know, it's all a mixture. Um, for instance, Maggie Three. Maggie Three is not necessarily true to me at all, but the locations I've lived in every location that Maggie Three um, takes place in. Like I've lived in San Francisco, I've lived in New York, I've lived in California, so I know I know the locations. So so many times, people when they read Maggie Three, they say, "Oh, I feel like I was there." You know, it's not. It just feels like you know it's so real. Like, is it an auto? You know, is it autobiographical? And I say, no, but I lived in all those places. So I get the feel. I know the feel. I know the, you know, I know the drill of all those places. So it's a combination. It's a combination. I draw from real life. I draw from God's gifting. I draw from imagination, stuff that I just imagine. I, I draw from um, maybe not my life experience, but interest, but lives that I may have intersected with or integrated with is the combination. So can I would have inter- to answer it depends. It just depends, yeah. Can you, will you introduce us please to the main character? We know she's a widow. How old is she? What was she like when she was younger? What 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 did she do in her career? If she had a career, does did she does she have any children? Can you introduce us to the main character in the Tree Widow and a few of the minor characters? Okay, um, um, Sarah is the main character. She's the protagonist. Um, the film Tree Widow One is myst- is mysterious in terms of her. Um, specific childhood. We're going to go into that too, too, but we give you a little peek into her, into her childhood. She is a black woman who has a mother who physically appears to be white. Her ah. father is African-American black. Her mother mistreats her. She grows up, she grows up climbing in, climbing up a tree in her neighborhood with her dolls to find peace and to escape into her own world oh, and to escape to happiness. So her relationship with trees begins as a child, finding peace and happiness and escape from her mother's cruelty and abuse. And it carries on into her adulthood where um, she walks among the trees and prays to God and kind of enjoys the creation of God nature. So that's a little part. I don't want to tell you too much, but that's part of Sarah. Her her relationship okay. with trees and nature begins as a child. Now, Interesting. Now I can see what a now it helps me understand what a title more comes from. Very interesting. Yeah. Praise God. So then um then um some of the other characters we have a college student in her 20s whose financial aid hasn't come through in her dorm situation. is all confused and tied up in red tape. So she has to, she she stays with my character for a minute. Um, then there's, so she's in her 20s. Then there's a, oh, my character's in her 50s. And then, um, so then the 20-year-old, the college student, then there's a, 14-year-old whose mother um, is a drug addict and kicks her out of the home. She comes from a dysfunctional, um, abusive family, the 14-year-old. Then there's um, the 30-year-old who has just lost a job and um, becomes, what is he called, like a strip artist to make a living. Mm -hmm. But becomes suicidal. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm I'm here. Cool. I hear you. <laughs> okay, then there's a forty year old okay, there's a forty year old who is who has just basically lost her job and she's mature and and she's just going through a, um, that transitional time that a lot of us go through. It's not that anyone's done anything wrong or right, it's just it's just life. Life just happens to her. 
And then um, there's a, another young woman who lived beyond her means, you know, buying fancy cars and fancy clothes and shoes and doesn't pay her rent and so gets evicted. So these are, those are some of the characters in the um those are some of the storylines, and as you come and watch the film, there I have never heard anyone say that there was no one in the film that they could identify. Everybody says they, you know, I identified with this one, or I identified with that one. So the film, the characters transcend age. There's fourteen, twenty, thirty-five, forty, and fifty. So it shows that emotional. And relationship issues are ageless and has nothing to do with how young you are or how mm-hmm. old you are. It's a human it's a human condition. Yes, and mm-hmm. has nothing to do, you know, with race or age. There are so many people fifty or sixty years old that are just as confused about relationships as people in their twenties or thirties. You would think not, but there are you know, it has nothing to do with age. It it has nothing to do with it. So, um so that I hope that answers a little bit about it. Yeah, and you know what, so, yeah. I, I really appreciated the way you, and you know, when you when you ask a guest or an artist uh, how to describe like main characters, it's interesting the pieces they that jump out in their mind to uh, foremost <laughs> to share, to share like the, the with the tree. That was very interesting. Every time I ask somebody to describe like that, I learn more about their story or what they've developed, then then uh-huh. I would learn from reading the synopsis or, or, or something like that. How long is The Tree Widow? I know you're looking to get it, uh, get distribution for it, but how long is it? Is it two hours? Is it an hour? And if somebody did want to come see uh, The Tree Widow, how could they see it? And are there plans to make it available on DVD? Okay. Um. First question was what was the first? I'm sorry. How, how long? Uh, no, okay. How long is? How, how long, long is the film? Is like an hour mm-hmm. forty minutes. It's a okay. It's a, um, it's a feature. It's a, it's a feature length film, so it's really meaty. An hour and forty five minutes. Um, okay. There are. I have a lot of open doors. Plans are in the works for a couple of churches in February for Valentine's Day. If you would like it, I'm sure you should be scheduled, but I'm sure I will let you know when those opportunities to show the film that I know about so far. There are other opportunities still in the works, but I know I'll have I have two screenings in February. Okay. But the date just hasn't been written in stone yet, but I'll let you know. And I have a private screening on January 23rd mm-hmm. for for sponsors financial sponsors or people that um, are interested in distribution or have connections, I can make you or your audience, if there's anyone in your audience that would be interested in coming to the private screening um, for one of those, you know, purposes, you have some connection to the film industry or a financial um, contribution that you might be interested in considering the um, the the uh, screening on the 23rd is specifically for that. And um, in terms of making it available as a DVD, I'm considering, um, well, I have some I have some distributors that are interested in the works where it may become available in Walmart. Okay. Um, and Redbox. Um, in okay. The but I do need, um, some funding and et cetera for that to be made happen, and that's one of the reasons why I'm having the fundraiser January 23rd. So I do have those things; they're coming, they're they're in the works, um, and also I'm carefully considering making DVDs available where I sell them in, as I go forward. But right. I'm praying about that. So there's a lot in the works for 2016. Um, I'm also in um, negotiations with with the TV networks, turning into a TV series. So there's a lot in the works, and um, but it's just not written in stone. You know, where it's Christmas and everything will like get geared up like after January third. You know, 
So I can get back mm-hmm. to you and give you more details, but I can't really right. specify right now because everything is kind of like up into the up in the air until we until get we get finalized. Something, yeah, right. Yeah. Now you you wrote the study, the Tree Widow Study Guide. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you tell us about for those who might be interested in getting the study guide so they can get a bit of a more of a bird's eye view into the film? What are some of the parts of the movie that the study guide covers without, well, you really wouldn't be giving the movie away if it's in the study guide. And what was the process of writing the study guide for? There's, I, I've heard study guides for books, uh, but that's this that was kind of new, a study guide for film. So can you tell us what, what are some of the parts of the movie that you focus on in, in the study guide, and what was the process of creating the study guide like? I think one of the reasons, the reason why, one of the reasons why the study guide came to me is because what I hope to be able to do, and one of the goals is, as I go to churches or universities, um, that the study guide can go along with the film, where after we screen the film, I can come back for a month, like once a week at a church or or, or a university, and we can really dig into the to the issues in the film as they relate to modern day life, modern day choices, modern day heartbreak, and the word of God to sort of blend it all together and bring it into into focus into in relationship with the word of God and how the different issues in the film are designed to specifically relate to different scriptures in the word of God and the direction and the destruction. I mean, the instruction that is given in the word of God versus some of the choices that are made in the movie. I hope that makes sense. So, the film can be created. The film in a church can be used as a Bible study. Okay. We show the film. We show mm-hmm. the film, and then the study guide. After we show the film, we we dig into the film with the Bible and the study guide there, discussing how the movie relates to the Word of God and to our lives oh. as individuals. Okay. So that's what the study guide. Um, is designed for so I'm I'm hoping to be able to do that at a few churches that's already in the works. But it's a it's a it's a it's a Bible study about sexual immorality about about the protection that God has designed for us as as our Creator. He created us. He knows what works best for His creation. Just like if you buy I don't know a coffee pot. And you have instructions that it tells you, right? You know yeah. how to how to make how to make the coffee, where to put the water, yes. you know what put what buttons to push, so forth and so on. Well, it's the same way with relationships, and what we're seeing, and what I'm sure God is is kind of heartbroken about, is He doesn't want our lives just shattered in different pieces, thrown all over, and just. Disintegrated. He wants us to be whole. Mm-hmm. He wants nothing broken. He wants whatever's broken for it to be put back together. I'm thinking of Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men. Put <laughs> Humpty Dumpty back together again. <laughs> but Jesus can put us back together again. I know He's there for me, and my heart is just to be used to help other people. Let God, you know, do it for them. So, the, that, yes. so, so for instance, uh, one of the the opening scene in the film is Sarah walking through a forest worshiping God. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one of the scriptures that relates to that is where there's a scripture where um, Jesus goes into the wilderness to pray, mm-hmm. right? And then there's another scripture where it talks about going into your prayer closet and and, and God will reward you openly. So that opening scene is discussed and filtered through that scripture how our closet can be anywhere. It can be in your car when you're driving to work. It can mm-hmm. it can actually be in a little in a little closet in your home. You know, your your or in Sarah's place um place, her prayer closet, one of her prayer 
closets is being amongst trees, being in the forest. Thank God, that's one of her. That's one of her prayer closets. So we just run that. So I run that vision through the Word of God. How going to God privately in a prayer closet, wherever that may be, wherever mm-hmm. you choose that may be, is scriptural. You know, because some people say, oh, what is she doing? In the, walking through the trees. Is she worshiping the trees? You know, you're not supposed to worship the trees. Is she, is she worshiping nature? You know, that's yeah. age. That's new ageism. That's new age. So I just oh, make it yeah. Very, very, yeah, I just make it very, very clear. No, mm-hmm. this is one of her prayer closets. You know, Jesus used to escape to the mountains to pray privately. And then, right. you know, and then, then God showed me how to go through different you know, there's different forms of prayer. Like we pray, the Bible talks about with two or three agree that, you know, it mm-hmm. shall be done. God is in the midst with two or three or a congregational prayer, community prayer, family mm-hmm. prayer, you know, and then there's mm-hmm. solitary prayer. Mm-hmm. So um, so that's one example. Okay. So then another example might be um, Sarah is 50 years old, but she's being seduced in the movie by a young man who's um, like 30, 30 years old, like 20 years younger mm-hmm. than she is. So I relate that scripture to, um, I mean, I relate, I'm sorry, that scene to um, a scripture in the Bible where it talks about flea fornication. Um there's another scripture in First Corinthians talks about how our body belongs to the Lord, that we should abstain from fornication, um, that it's not good for a man to touch a woman, um for marriage, how if you if it's better to marry than to burn. Um so if you're burning um in your flesh, which the flesh is designed to do, trust me, I mean the flesh is supposed to war. The flesh is gonna be warring against the spirit until we go on to be with the Lord. So the the Bible talks about praying and asking God to mortify the flesh. As Christians, our duty is to come to God, tell him I'm weak, you know, my flesh is my flesh is raging, you know, my body's wanting to have sex, you know. Find this, mortify this, deliver me from this, give me peace from this God. So many mm-hmm. times, um we don't do that. We just give into the way of the world and give into. We don't know. We don't understand that we can come to God and pray and get power to overcome mm-hmm. it and to resist it. Just like we can get power to resist cussing or lying or being an alcoholic or drug addict or anything else. So there. So in the movie, though Sarah is tempted in a very vulnerable time of her life, she calls on God for prayer. So we discuss mm-hmm. that. You know, we discuss her choice. You know, only there. I don't want to give the movie away. So mm-hmm. it's like a twist in the movie that she finds out later about what he really is and who he really is and who he really isn't. And how grateful she is that she did not give in to sin. She did not give in to the lust of the flesh because her obeying God protected her from a deeper and a greater heartache. Wow! Um, Can you so, tell us we only we only have about a, a few minutes left in the show? These shows, as I told you at the start, they always go so fast. I do want to share with those who are interested in walking in your footsteps the same way you looked at Diane Kerwin as a child and said, "I want to be like her." That's who I want to be like. There may be somebody listening to you who might want to do something similar to what you're doing. What advice, Allison, would you have for any off-the-shelf listeners who might be interested in writing, directing, and or producing a film? Well, I'm always open if you reach out to me on Facebook. I do private and sometimes um, I do events of workshops. I also do private tutoring. So I'm available to, um, you know, to work with you both in it with, in an event and individually, um, I would say, in general, my answer, Denise, is to always hold on to your integrity. Do not compromise for fame and fortune mm. or, or or for whatever it is that celebrity looks to you. Um, do not sell your soul for 
practice for your for your talent or your gifting recognize that your gift comes from God and 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 use it for those things that make the world a better place um I think it's important to study you know I studied acting as a young person it's important to do the classics to to do to, to, to understand the difference between theater television and movies um there's different techniques there's different skill sets for each environment so many times I think I think you know they don't have to study they don't have to you know they're, they're just gifted and you all of you I'm sure you're all beautifully magnificently gifted but I still highly encourage young people to study their craft mm-hmm. to study um keep your integrity and don't compromise um mm-hmm. your soul that is... no go ahead oh and i mean just just in general you know that's what i would encourage you i um to 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 focus on and um keep yourself grounded you know get do well in school and be a good human being. Be kind to people. Um, is are, is there anything? Some mm-hmm. is there any any tips as far as getting started in the in in the process of actually making a film? I know you said study the craft. Oh, making a film. You, um, oh, I think networking is very important. Um, I go to a net. I go to a lot of networks. Um, going to screenings. Like for instance, if you see. A, a tree widow screening. You may not even be interested in the subject, but you should come out and meet me. You should come out and meet different people. You should go out to different screenings um, and meet other filmmakers, other directors. You should come out and meet me. You know, um, um, meet people, talk to people, meet people face to face. Give them your card. You know, come out and meet me. Give me your card. Go out to other mm-hmm. film events. Give people your card. Um, Reach out to people on Facebook um, that you know. Um, research agents, you know, get an agent. Um, is that necessary, Allison? Is that necessary? Um, I know in the book industry, it's 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 not necessary, but it's very, very impactful. Is it in the film as well? Um, as an independent filmmaker, is it? It's not necessary, but I think it's helpful as an actor. Mm-hmm. I think networking does a lot. A lot, a lot of the actors in my film, I never met their agent. You know, they came to my casting calls. So I, I, th- I think that's another thing. Look up casting calls. Go to casting calls. Um, on the internet, I understand that there are a lot of opportunities and a lot of information about casting calls on the internet. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of ways. Without an agent, I mean, agent is just one of many because nowadays, you know, you have the internet. You know, when I was a kid, you didn't have the internet. You really, it right. wasn't necessary to have an agent. But mm-hmm. it's not necessary, but it's part of the, you know, it's part of the possibility. But it's not mm-hmm. the only possibility, you know. People get parts, you know, just walking on the street like somebody likes your look or your look fits the situation. So, okay. you know, whatever you look like is awesome because, doesn't matter, and I don't mean this in disrespect, you know, you're tall, short, um, you know, African-American, white, whatever, Asian, Mexican, um, you know, there is just this world of need for everything and everyone, the way they look, tall, skinny, you know, mm-hmm. plump, whatever, um, is endless. So whatever you look like, there's a need for you. Okay. So, you know, so... You know, be proud and be at peace with how you look because there's a there's a part in a place for and a need for everyone just to yes. where you look, the way you are. You know, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. We we want to yeah. thank Allison Mills Newman who has really graced us uh, today on here on Off the Shelf. She was a child actress uh, in, on shows like Julia, the Leslie Uggams show, and she's worked with. Flip Wilson, Diane Curl, Leslie Ogumfu, just named, and 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 others. So we thank her. She also 
is online at keepthefaithinc.com, K-E-E-P-T-H-E-F-A-I-T-H-I-N-C.com. And she has a film out, The Tree Widow, The Tree Widow. She also has The Tree Widow Study Guide and Maggie 3. So The Tree Widow, she's having a private screening January the 23rd. But we can listen and look out for She's on Facebook. Look out for more screenings. Uh, the Tree Widow, it's an hour and 45 minutes, a very meaty, enriching film, uh, The Tree Widow by Allison Mills Newman. And we do thank her again for being here with us on Off the Shelf. I want to wish you all happy holidays again. I'll see yeah. you all, God willing, in a brand new year. So I hope that you all spend time with your family, your friends, and your life just mm-hmm. is filled up with peace and joy and love and warmth. And as I always tell you, remember that you are incredible. You are amazing. You are awesome. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. See you here yes. on the Saturdays, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or New York City Time. I'll see you guys later. Allison, I'll shoot you an email. Denise, thank right. you. Yes, Denise, thank you for having me. And to everyone listening, I love you and God bless you. Have a great thank day. You, thank you. Thank you. Bye for now. Okay, bye-bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.